On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we set a course for deep space for YouTube's original sci-fi series, Origin. See Narcos hop from Colombia to Mexico for the newly relocated Narcos Mexico. Clever name, a bit like CSI Miami, only with a lot more cocaine. And we get our giggles on thanks to Chuck Lorre's new comedy, The Kaminsky Method, featuring none other than Michael Douglas. Plus, you'll be pleased to hear we don't have any sordid sexual acts to discuss, uh, at least not at this point. But after all, it is early days, so uh, let's see how the episode checks out. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly gateway into the almost unfathomable depths of modern television output. Like James Cameron diving the Marianas Trench, I and my two stalwart companions brave the televisual deep to see what we can drag back to the surface for you. And... Joining me in our entertainment submersible once more, our Chief Petty Officer Boyd Hilton, who, and this is absolutely true, can give you detailed backstory to each and every zombie ever featured on The Walking Dead, including employment history, sexual proclivities, and favourite musical. How are you, Boyd? I'm very well. That's a grotesque lie, but fine. (laughs) Thank you. It's entirely true. It's entirely true. We're also joined by Rear Admiral Terry White, who, and this is also completely true, can provide on demand a detailed backstory to each and every skinhead ever featured on Shane Meadows' This Is England. How's <laughs> Chick Terry? That's correct. Yeah. That's accurate. That's more that accurate. accurate. That's yeah. more accurate than that the other one. That is accurate. Um, Rear, what am I? A Rear? You're a Rear Admiral. Admiral. Which just it's feels... not rude. It sounds rude. It's not rude. I mean, I think it's appropriate after last week's description of <laughs> Sally Forever. And I would like to um, take this opportunity to apologise for my gratuitous description, which seemed to have put a few people off their breakfast this but week. Did if... we mention last week that you... Obviously, we mentioned that you watched it just before we started recording. Did we mention that you were actually comedy gagging while watching it? And, like, involuntarily. I wasn't comedy gagging. It was okay. real gagging. No, but it, it was comedy was for us. proper oh. gipping. Yeah. So What's was... a gip? Anybody who's northern who listens to this will know exactly what gipping <laughs> is, which is when you're, like, throwing up and your body's making all the motions, your stomach like is retching, and you're like... Ugh. Uh, and it co- like it's coming up your throat and into your mouth, and that's what gipping is. And I was genuinely doing that. I wasn't doing it for lols. I was genuinely mm. being it, sick. It was definitely yeah. genuine. I mean, we had some lols. I but. would also. I need to make a public service announcement about that episode. Oh, you do, yes. don't you, bad boy? Yeah. Like an absolute idiot, I said that the character <laughs> of Dan, the obnoxious director who engages in the disgusting sex act depicted in said episode, mm. was played by Dustin Demery Burns of Cardinal Burns fame. In fact, it was of course played by his colleague. Seb Cardinal of Cardinal Burns fame, the other one in that comedy duo. I managed, there's only two of them. I managed to get the wrong one because I am an idiot. I literally watched the episode. And I watched, you know, he's in two, two episodes at least. And I thought, oh, that's the guy from Cardinal Burns. I looked up which of them it was and just got completely the wrong one. And tell us, Boyd, how did you find out you were wrong? Well, no, let's not get into that. <laughs> but let me just apologise to Seb Cardinal. He, and, and to emphasise yet again that he is brilliant in that role. He absolutely brings to life this disgustingly horrendous character of this obnoxious, um, totally entitled director who many of... I've met that guy many, many times. I'll be honest, Boyd. I don't believe I can now really believe anything you say. <laughs> I've, all harsh. your credibility is gone. I admit all my mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Right, we have a reader question this Ooh. week. And mainly as it leapt out of the Twitter feed at me while I was kind of just vaguely browsing it. So we're going to go into this. Alan Willey, steady, mm. asks... How about discussing beloved TV shows with proper shite endings? Quantum Leap springs to mind. Oh. Wow. 
Okay. It's a bit harsh. Poor Sam Beckett never returned. I know home. that black. That black, and it's actually the way it was conveyed. It was just that black screen, the most <laughs> yeah. somber kind of end note ever to it was anything. Such a downer. I want to start. Can I start? Y- yeah, go for it. Is it? Is it going to be charmed? It's going to be charmed, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I'll have you know that the last episode of Charmed was brilliant. It oh, was a two-parter. Okay. There you go. It was God. a two-parter and it was the final battle to end all battles and basically it meant that um, they saved the world and they got to have a private life as well. And that was always the tension. I mean, this is completely irrelevant. This was always the tension at the heart of Charmed. How do you balance the responsibilities of being a witch and having to save the world from evil every single day and also get to have a sex life? I, I, I struggle with both it's, of those. Yeah, it's tough. Is it, I'm going to guess, is it last year's The Apprentice when, <laughs> when Alan Sugar <laughs> gave it a draw, made it a tie, which I was furious about? No. No, okay. It was... How I Met Your Mother. Oh. That's the, and this turns up on a lot of shite finale lists. I wouldn't know because I've only ever seen the pilot. It's extraordinary. Nine years, right? Nine years it's we gave time. this bloody show. <laughs> really funny, really great. Um, really, Actually, really true to life. I watched part of it when I lived in New York and, and continued it when I moved back to London. And actually, really quite accurate depiction of, of trying to exist in New York City, try to have a relationship, try to get along the way. Like, Gently funny, some great performances, right? That isn't the point. The point is, nine years, you're waiting to find out who the mother of How I Met Your Mother is. So, obviously, everybody knows that the setup is Ted talking to his kids, who are now grown up, and telling them the story, a very long nine-year story, about how he met their mother and his wife. You basically don't get right till the end who the mother is. And everybody was kind of predicting that nobody would like her. How can you live up to something that you've been waiting nine years for? She was amazing. Everyone fell in love with her. She was great. You really believed in her. It also spent nine years kind of um, reinforcing why Robin and Ted's relationship would never have worked out, which was his other main love interest. You learn this over and over again. They try and make it work. It never works. She ends up marrying Barney. They ended up breaking up anyway. So he finally meets the mother. And then what you have is a really fast montage of her dying. So it's like, oh, yeah, we met and we had you and then she died. And there's like one amazing kind of her sick in a hospital bed scene where he's kind of looking a bit sad. And the end is basically him getting back together with Robin after his wife's died, realising that she was the one all along, even though she blatantly wasn't the one. So the whole thing of How I Met Your Mother was just redundant because it was How I Met Your Mother and Then She Died. And then I, I went back to somebody who was wrong for me from an earlier episode. I, it completely reduced the entire thing to nonsense. I wasted nine years and basically <laughs> it made me want to set fire to something. I feel there are some unresolved issues here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I may be overreacting a bit. Do you think? No, I know Boyd? what you mean. Yeah, yeah well, up, I'm, I'm a similar... I do back you up completely. You're absolutely right. It was, because there's a theme about least favourite finales and I think what it is because I I was thinking a little bit of that one and the two that I then wrote down were shows that you love and uh, go through seasons 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 of brilliance and then the finale just goes completely off Mm. and it's like a disastrous overthought thing so my two examples are Seinfeld which is my favourite show of all time famously the final episode where they bring back all these minor characters (laughs) that ever appeared in the show to make the point that the core foursome of Seinfeld are uncaring 
people. And it's like, well, we yeah, we knew that. We know that and we love them for it. Don't make a big issue of it. It just was a disaster, absolute disaster. And it kind of besmirched your memory of the, again, nine seasons of utter brilliance. That was the first episode of Seinfeld I ever watched. Oh. And I watched it in a youth hostel. God. Hostel, not hostel. A youth hostel in Byron Bay in Australia. Wow. Classic you must have thought, you, classic Yeah, classic diet. You must have thought, what the f is this? I had this? no idea what right. was going on. So that was a huge disappointment. Equally disappointing for me was Girls, the finale of yes, Girls. So now, my issue mm. with this is, what were they thinking? The penultimate episode of Girls is the finale. It's the de facto finale where they all have this brilliant confrontation that you've been waiting for yeah. for years about the nature of their friendship with each other. And it's brilliantly done. That's fantastic episode. Then the finale is a whole thing about breastfeeding, which I, I have but, to say. But to your point, isn't yeah. it because it was an it was an affectation for me? It was their exactly. their thing about girls was they always wanted to subvert the normal rules yeah. of television, right? Yeah. And actually, the you are absolutely entirely right. In every conventional sense, the penultimate episode it had resolutions. It yeah. had some things that were never going to be resolved. It was really touching. It was really moving. The final episode was like somebody had, had just done something randomly and forgot they had an episode so it like chucked yeah. it on the telly yeah. and it basically has a really for me a really conflicting ending where it is about breastfeeding and there's a whole thing about um, Hannah not being kind of feeling like she's a good mum because she can't breastfeed and then yeah, the baby judgmental. finally latches on and that's yeah. and she's horrendous during the whole thing Absolutely, so any yeah. kind of good feeling you'd got back for her in the penultimate episode you just shut out mm. all over again it was remarkable and I think that was contrived the contrivance I agree yeah exactly it was overthought that's what I mean yeah they were like right we're going to do this thing just yeah. to kind of make a real point of how quirky and weird we all are and because you're not expecting it sometimes you just have to give the, give you particularly what in finales want. yeah what you want well and does, they, doesn't it doesn't it colour it colours for me it colours my view of the entire show yeah, absolutely so yeah. with girls that completely changed how I felt uh, about totally. it and whenever I think about it, I think about that yeah. episode. And I think Same. you can't help but see your relationship with that show cannot help but be coloured by the no, finale. I agree. And, and the same with Seinfeld. To be fair to Seinfeld, Larry David wrote that final episode himself. That was his because he left the show in season seven. So he didn't write the last two series, mm. the co-creator of the show. He wrote that. And to be fair to him, subsequently, he's made jokes about how bad it was pretty much constant, on a constant basis in Cobra Enthusiasm and, and in interviews and stuff. So he's aware, I think, that important people think of that episode. And I think almost you almost feel like he's admitting that he shouldn't have gone down that route. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. James? Um, I don't have a massive rant you'd be shocked to hear. Um, <laughs> there's so many disappointing ones. I think the last episode of Friends was a missed opportunity because it focused so much on the will-they-won't-they they of Ross and Rachel where no one for one second imagined that they wouldn't, despite the fact that they probably shouldn't. Uh, such as that was one. Um, Dexter was a problematic one for me, but again, that's slightly diffused by the fact that the whole show had been on this gradual decline. That the fact that the last episode was terrible was just par for the course at that point, and it was dreadful. Yeah, I mean, they really, sure. really, you know, he does. He, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. In fact, you know what? They spoiled it. I'm going to spoil it because they've already done it. The fact that he didn't, you know, die horribly, you know, mm. I thought was a. Yeah. Was, a, was a missed opportunity because he should have died how he lived. Um, obviously, The X-Files, the first time it ended was bad. The second time it ended, it was worse. But we've already talked about that a little bit. Um, Lost, the finale of Lost. Oh, yeah. 
The finale of Lost was a. Le- I mean, Big that time. again. That, that was another show where they were making it up as they went along. At no point were they ever going to resolve it to anyone's satisfaction. Yeah, um, there are those out there who think the Lost episode of Lost is, is, is a work of genius. Well, that's but madness. They're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> absolute <laughs> madness. Uh, the finale of Battlestar Galactica, uh, the reboot. You're, Battle you're, Star you're, Galactica. you're going. You're, you're just listing <laughs> yeah. shows that I ended am. through the finales of every <laughs> major right. TV right. Yeah. series. So I shouldn't be doing that, should I? All right, let's. Okay. When we get to the fifth okay. hour, then you know you might. I have to know your colours to I the mask. I speak now for 20 to 30 minutes on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> now, first of all, no, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's fine, but a lot of people hate it. But I will it's say one fine. thing, and Terry, you'll be with me on this. The finale of Buffy does not do that show's legacy any good. No, and I mean, and arguably that season doesn't, yeah. I have to say. But you put the finale of Buffy next to the finale of Angel, which was so fucking rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, and you just think, you know what, Angel was never as good a show, but actually, in terms of the way it went out, that that really did go out in style. But I think it's because they had less to lose. I think people yeah. get so weighed down yeah. by the legacy of a show, and I think Buffy kind of went so off the rails, mm. and I think it probably paralyses you in terms of what you can do. Whereas Angel, let's be honest, patchy at best, yes. shit at worst. And it essentially got cancelled. It didn't yeah. come to a natural end. So at that point, you're like, fuck it, we <laughs> no. might as well go it's the out end of the world. In, in a blaze of madness <laughs> yeah. because we're going down anyway. Oh, and nobody's going to look back on this and be like, you remember that amazing <laughs> show that we're really sad doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, they're done. About, a lot of people um, a lot of people don't like the finale of The Sopranos, which some people think is genius. Oh, I they're think just, it's genius. I think it's genius. Yeah, I think yeah. it's genius as well. Absolutely. But that, that, that rubs people up the wrong way. Bold. What's your, what's that's, your... but that's just people. I think people, sometimes, you know, they talk about wanting to be surprised. They talk about wanting innovation and, and boldness in television. But sometimes I feel like if people aren't fed it on a mm. plate, as in, mm. here's exactly what happened in great detail, mm. instead of, you know, that's obviously left open to interpretation. I think most people agree on what probably happens. But well, he's I spoken think, about it since. He didn't for a long time, yes, but he has spoken about but it But I think it, it, it absolutely is appropriate for the genre. It's appropriate for the show. It's appropriate for that entire world. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes, you, you know, to expect TV to do all the legwork for you and for a finale to unpack everything in great detail um, I think is problematic and that would have been wrong for that show The Sopranos is all about yeah how bold and and innovative and you know although controversially the last season of The Sopranos is bollocks yeah how many episodes do you see that guy making Johnny Cakes in a fucking restaurant I just honestly (laughs) but the finale wasn't but the finale was great the finale was very very good what uh, just just to switch it around what's your favourite what's your favourite send off oh god now, we haven't prepared for we this. We haven't prepared for this. I'm just throwing a curveball. I don't know. Do you know why I really... Growing up, I used to love MASH. So MASH was my favourite. How old are you? I'm really <laughs> fucking old, Terry. You should know this fact. Well, MASH famously so, wasn't from a ratings point of view. Was the finale of that was just yeah, off the charts, was absolutely wasn't it? Yeah. And it? And it, it was a really... It's, it's a very Alan Alda thing. So he directed it, and I think he might have even written it. Mm. And it's like a film, and it's quite serious. It's quite kind of... Um, it's deeply moving, but I thought it was fantastic. So... I really like the ending of Cheers as well. I kind of mm. really like the ending of Frasier. Those are de- all those three uh, okay. I thought were really really good and successful. Charmed. Yeah, good there you God. go. And really I thought good. you were going to go with Star Trek The Next Generation's All Good Things Part 2. Well, obviously that was my uh, number two. Yeah. And of course, actually, the greatest the greatest fun episode of the time really is The Office, the UK Office, the original oh, Office. Oh, the, the Christmas episode. I mean, I still, that shot, yeah. that shot where... Um, Dawn's left and she comes back and it's that shot where it's David Brent and Tim and Gareth and you know he's telling a shit joke and you see her 
in the back of the shot re-enter yeah. the office yeah. and her walk and it just stays that shot just stays and she walks across the office and Tim's face when she just walks up to him tears down her face and kiss yeah. I mean absolutely just, yeah. just goosebumps yeah. still yeah the correct answer to this question incidentally is the shield which oh. has the greatest finale however okay. I'm not going to talk about it in detail not least of all because no one needs to hear that. But also uh, because it's being re-released in 4K this Christmas. Oh. And a lot of people, in fact, most people have never seen The Shield. So I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it. I will say everyone should, uh, A, read the feature in the latest issue of Pilot. Uh, and then do watch it when it gets remastered because it's magnificent. And the finale is absolutely perfect for that character. Uh, right. Okay. That's out of the way. Should we touch uh, uh, briefly on what we've watching before we get into news? Yes. What have you been watching, Boyd? Um, this morning, we recorded, we recorded this on Friday. This morning, I, full, full disclosure, I hosted a Q&A for the new series of Clique, which is Jesse Br- Jess Britton, who um, worked on Skins yeah. back in the day. Um, she's created... Season Series 1 of Clique was all about um, a group of women and university in Edinburgh, and it was a really... Um, I thought it was a really interesting look at female friendship and female relationships, and she's a very, very talented writer. Series 2, which starts has started now, you can get it on BBC iPlayer, BBC 3, it's going to be weekly every Saturday on BBC 3 slash iPlayer, is even better because now it's exploring a kind of toxically masculine group of dudes who the original three of the original female characters come into contact with and it's all about this clash between what's going on in universities right at the moment between people who consider anything to do with feminism and identity politics to be politically correct and there's a big this big thing about freedom of speech etc and people are actually kind of living that life who do not correspond to if you like the mainstream of life and people who consider themselves to be outsiders it's a really interesting hyper topical look at the world of universities right now and I think she's done a brilliant job Clique okay Clique it is Terry. That's piqued your interest, doesn't it, Terry? It has. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. hmm. Check it um, out. Uh, I just started um, making a murderer. Oh, did you? And what are you watching? Watch me. That, see, that, that was a gag. Oh. <laughs> it was really funny. Oh, dear. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah making a murderer. And I have to say, I know it's not cinematic TV, but I'm just going to say it anyway. If anybody watched The Apprentice this week, then <laughs> you are sharing my dreams because that was it was a classic Apprentice episode this week. Classic, classic, classic. Is that the airline one? It's the airline one. It's where um, Kuran, Kuran, um, and he is, he finally becomes project manager. The way they edited it is just genius. He's this guy who basically makes his living as an extra and dreams of becoming an actor and somehow ended up on The Apprentice. Um, It was very funny this week. I enjoyed it very much. That episode every year where they have to create a brand do a, write a TV ad and create, is all in half a day is always my favourite because it's so preposterous. The yeah. whole concept of it is ludicrous. Yeah. And they, they, it was an airline and they called it um, Jet Pop. And oh the, in the logo was an explosion. <laughs> and it was genuinely like, oh, I didn't think they'd be all wrong with putting an explosion and calling it Jet Pop. <laughs> it's true. You can't beat The Apprentice for comedy. I just, I just don't know what's happening. No. How many times have you watched the episode so far? Didn't you watch them four times? Uh, This one I've seen five times. Uh, Five times. Wow. I feel in many ways you're single-handedly keeping The Apprentice on TV. You may be. Mm -hmm. James, what have you been watching? Uh, 
a number of things, and I won't talk about any of them except for <laughs> one. Once one again. of them. <laughs> Otherwise, Welcome yeah. to the Pilot TV podcast. <laughs> yeah. I will James not talk about it. Refuses to talk about television. Yeah, I won't participate. Uh, no, I want to talk about one which bridges what we're watching and news as a kind oh. of bridge, which is The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I'm very much up to date with. A lot of shit happened this week. Now, if you have not seen the latest episode of The Walking Dead, I would maybe skip forward a few minutes uh, because we were talking about it in uh, not huge spoiler detail, but frankly, some big stuff happened that we have to mention. This was, if anyone's been near the news, the last episode that Andrew Lincoln was in, uh, the last episode of the series, I should say, that Andrew Lincoln was in. Um, it ended in a very, very, very unexpected place. So this season began with a kind of time jump forward of like a year and a half from the previous season. And next week's episode will take place six years after this week's episode. Whoa. Which is Whoa. unexpected. That is, uh, you uh... see the time jump at the very end of this week's episode. But what ties into this, obviously, is that this was going to be uh, Rick Grimes' finale. We were going to watch him die. They even sent commemorative Walking Dead tissues to the office so that we'd be prepared for his death. Only for, wait for the spoiler, he didn't die. He gets medevaced away in a chopper and is now going to appear in three Walking Dead films, yeah. which was something Hang we on. didn't see coming. What? This is genuinely what happened. He's going to be appearing. This is actually live news that yeah. Terry hasn't heard. Yeah, so, yeah. so, That's so the show has skipped forward six <laughs> That's years, bollocks. and presumably those six years in Rick Grimes's life will take place in these three films. But it happens away from everyone else because he's I been. I have to say, they away. announced right on. Was it on the day of the final episode yes. of his final episode yes. that he was making three? Yes. Walking Dead feature films. Spoiler. About, yes. I thought, what a weird decision that was to well, wait a few days, wait a week or so. Yeah. I don't know. It I just know. felt like really undermining its own. Well, we power. had it. We had the news story up yeah. on the Empire website before it had even aired over here because That's it such broke a weird thing as soon as the, U, the US uh, of course. airing of course. It happened. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it's very odd. It, it's it's a very odd thing. But then there's a lot going on, and I heard talk that uh, obviously Carol and um, and Daryl, Carol and Daryl, <laughs> their um their contracts have been sort of tweaked. So now it's like they're they're under big money contracts, which last I think a couple of years. Right. And it's not about the show anymore. It's about the Walking Dead verse. You know, they can appear anywhere in whatever things they come up with, and I believe they get paid even if they get killed, which is handy. Uh, which presumably they just say to the public to convince us that there's a chance they will get killed. There is no chance. Um, but yeah, they seem to be they seem to be really committing to this Walking Dead, Dead spin-off first. universe yeah. thing that they're yeah. doing. And this um, having Andrew Lincoln do three films is a baffling choice to me. I don't. I, I quite like that idea in its in and of itself. It's the timing of the announcement mm. I thought was so bizarre. But it's. I mean, <sighs> I think shaking up the show, which yes. let's face it, ratings are going down. If yes. it's feeling a bit felt tired for yeah. a while. Him leaving was a big thing. So I think shaking it up and then doing these separate films featuring him, I quite like that. The idea. problem you've got but, is yeah, go his last episode mm. was not good. No. It was incredibly self-indulgent. It <laughs> yeah. was him on a fucking horse going down a road while bleeding, having flashbacks. And weird, no, not flashbacks, but weird fantasy sequences where actors who have, you know, possibly been out of work since they left The Walking Dead keep turning up and appearing to chat to him. Although, it's, uh, plus yeah, Sonequa Martin Green, who also came back. Sweet. I quite like uh, I See, I found it very sentimental and a bit it stupid. Was. And the thing that bugged me most was he's bleeding because he fell on a kind of iron rebar sticking out of some concrete. 
in the most ridiculous accident that's ever happened. He's yeah, at a junction. Yeah. There are three ways out. Two of them have zombies in them. This is not fucking rocket science, what you do at this point. But what does he do? He wheels the horse around in circles. The horse sidesteps up to the only dangerous obstacle within about 20 metres and plonks him onto it. I like the fact that for, like, seven years or whatever, he's avoided every danger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and suddenly this is this, the thing. Yeah. And this is what does him in. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, I did not enjoy the episode at all. And also, I get really irritated by all the JD's A, B stuff because they're deliberately being sort of bamboozling with the terminology you don't know what they're talking about and obviously it's now you have to watch these movies to understand what that whole plot line was about mm. and I slightly resent that having said that it's happening I'm going to watch it and I'm very interested to see what happens uh, well between the time jump I'm excited about the time uh, jump with the six year time jump yeah, the time we see little ass kicker little Judith uh, yeah. all, uh, all growed up I think the time jump is what the show needs definitely well it needs something yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah so that is a thing that is and has happened yay um, what else is happening in News Boyd? Well, there's also another tie-in, which is that um, Diego Luna, the star of Narcos Mexico, uh, yes. is going to start in the Star Wars series for the Disney streaming service. Indeed, built around his character in Rogue One. Yeah, and this is this is this, so this is a prequel to Rogue One, so presumably Rogue 0.5. Yeah, yeah. Rogue nearly one. Yeah. Uh, Rogue minus one. I liked his character, first of all, in Rogue One. I really like him what as was an his actor. Name? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you. You loved him so much. His name is Cassian Andor. There you go. And he was the most bland character in the oh, whole Oh, yeah, he Star was a bit Wars bland, canon. wasn't he? What I kept... I remember now that you're right, he was a bit bland. What I kept thinking <laughs> watching him in that film was, why isn't he doing more? Why aren't they giving more Diego Luna to do? Yeah. It's a bit weird. He's a character so bland that yeah. Tony Gilroy had to insert a scene of right. him killing Danny Mays to make him even vaguely interesting. Yeah, now you've mentioned it, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but having said all that, so maybe they're definitely, they were keeping him in reserve. They were like, well, we're not going to give him particularly anything interesting to do because yeah, we're going to we'll make a whole bloody series for, for Disney, Disney, whatever it's going to yes, be called. Yes, and, and they, uh, they also announced a, uh, a Loki series, didn't they? Oh, okay. Yeah. That Loki's getting his own series. Yeah. They, I mean, it wasn't a big announcement. They, uh, they kept it quite low-key. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Solid gag. <laughs> Solid gag. Oh, I've been workshopping that all week. Um, yeah, so, you know, if, if there was any doubt that Which we Which are you more excited about, the Loki series or the this dude from oh, Star Wars? Loki by a thousand oh, yes. percent. Yeah, because okay. Cassian Andor is rubbish. Okay. Uh, but uh, Loki <laughs> is one of the best things in the MCU. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm all about the Loki. Fair enough. Yeah, Odinson's for the win. Um, some some information dropped about the Game of Thrones season eight first episode. Did it? Yes. Did it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Terry and I have, mm. What are you talking yeah. about? No, no. I mean, it's, are you this sure is, you haven't invented this? Yeah, I might have dreamt it. No, this is not. Uh, this is not really a spoiler. They just say it opens. Skip ahead. Skip ahead fifteen <laughs> seconds if you don't want to hear this. It opens with the party arriving at Winterfell as a kind of an echo, a bookend uh, to obviously the first episode where you see the Baratheon party arriving at Winterfell. So it's you know it's going to be Danny and John turning up and it all getting a bit fraught. So that's how it's going to begin. That's yeah, fine. That's not really a spoiler. That's no, just, but yeah, it's, it's that's, a plot development. Guess, yeah, so yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's that's happening. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Mm. Um. Uh. I was excited by. Well, I can't actually. I'm going to take that back. I think I've rushed to positive judgment. Breaking Bad, the movie. Oh yeah. Um. Broken Bad. Broken Bad. <laughs> uh. So there's kind of little bits of information coming out about it. Apparently, it's in pre-production. There is a script. Apparently, they start directing. Well, it goes into production this month. Code name of Greenbrier. Um, so all we know so far is two-hour film. It's the f- story focuses around the escape of a kidnapped man who most people are speculating is Jesse. Um, and all they've said officially is that it's 
taking part in the Breaking Bad universe. This After the Walking Dead universe. universe. Yeah. And it does, I, obviously, you know, we, two of us work at Empire and we're f- very familiar with these universes. And, yeah. um, and clearly that's where the kind Who of... Who can forget Universal's dark universe? Dark universe. The best universe of all. <laughs> the one we can't wait to see more from. Um, so and it's one of those things where it was so brilliant as a show and as a self-contained finite thing mm. um and jumping into making movies isn't always the mm. right move and that finale was great i loved the yeah. finale, that finale. Was so, very good. so where does that you know where does that leave the movie and i always think with something like that the stakes are so high and to even meet people's expectations, because always there's always a sense of hype and, you know, that thing where people kind of, it becomes bigger in their own mind and more amazing mm. than it ever was. So I don't know how you produce something that is so startlingly original, which that show was, um, or innovative or exciting, that it's ever really going to be able to match up in people's minds. Um, so we'll see. There's, there's very little out there at the moment, but... It's weird, isn't it, that there's a Sopranos film on the way. There's a Breaking Bad film on the way. It's like, you know, West Wing, are they going to do a West Wing? It's like every single great... I I do feel like sometimes they should leave something (laughs) like... Yeah. (laughs) But good on them for not as yet doing it. It'll happen. It must happen. But it's also... But isn't it also about... I think it's about respecting the medium. I think it's the Mm. days of... Um, TV daring to dream to be filmed it's over exactly, and, and yeah, they do totally. different things yeah. and they are different formats for a reason and it's a different kind of storytelling in episodic television it just is yeah. um, and I think it's recognising that and not everything stretch I mean even Sex and the City right so Sex and the City were 30 minute kind of gems of brilliance and it was quite patchy actually the whole the whole of Sex and the City's run was quite patchy but there was some genius episodes in there but I think it never properly translated to film because the entire construct of it was suited to 30 minute I mean, also because they were just objectively terrible films well th- yes there is that but my <laughs> point is the framework of it and why it worked and the fact that it didn't kind of matter that it was patchy and it was like a different yeah. kind of narrow meta topic each week about being a woman in new york and you try and make an overarching compelling narrative you have to choose one kind of lead story you have to you just you structure everything entirely different and i think certain tv shows yeah. aren't built to be moving those, yeah, those films those right. sexist films were terrible because they were trying to be too big and yeah. glossy weren't they they were trying and they mm. were completely Betraying, yeah. as you say, the tone of the of the best bits of the series. Yeah, it was it was it was. I remember Stephen Moffat saying uh, at Q and A once because everyone. Was a, remember there was a period where everyone was expecting a Doctor Who film mm. to be announced and to be made, and he was like, "No, I, I don't. You know, I don't want to get into that world of having to meet what people think." they want of a yeah. film version of Doctor Who. I get mm. to do the film in my head every week that's maybe 40, 45 minutes, but there's no reason to try, you know, to, to do something, to try harder and to kind of reach out as if films are better. And he's very much of the films aren't necessarily better. No, than it's, a, it's a different medium with different grammar. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe it will be good. Who knows? We also don't even know. Breaking Bad, they haven't even said if it's going to be on TV or in cinemas yet. No, they So haven't. it may just yeah. be an AMC yeah. special yeah. that yeah. ends up being, you know, uh, so BBC America have greenlit a Terry Pratchett Discworld TV series, oh, okay. The Watch, uh, which will be based around The Watch series of books. Have uh, you read those books, James? Uh, I have, yeah. So Guards, Guards, Men at Arms, things like that, uh, with Vimes and the gang. Uh, <laughs> Don't yeah. know what that what was. What are you talking about? Now, do, you know, do you two not read Discworld? What's wrong no. with you people? No. This is genius. This is like, this is like you know, our generation Shakespeare, and you are not reading it. 
Wow. Shakespeare is our generation. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yes. I hate to break it to you, Terry. He's been dead for a while. <laughs> so this is this is the thing that's happening. Uh, it's going to be eight episodes long. Uh, there will obviously be famous Discworld characters and settings turning up in there as the kind of uh, misfit city watch get about their business. Uh, Simon Allen is writing the series and that is all the information I have for you. Yeah, I don't think they've announced it, have announced you, not it? No, I don't think they no. have. But, no. you know... I'm sure it will be interesting. Yeah. I mean, so Discworld has had its 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 attempts at coming to life. I mean, Sky One have done a couple of them, haven't they? David on, Jason yeah. ones, weren't they? Yeah. That's right, and they weren't not good. But I think <laughs> Discworld is a very hard thing to adapt. Isn't his tone of humour quite hard? It's yeah. very hard. But the thing with, I love, and I love this about Terry Pratchett, you know, may he rest in peace, uh, is that uh, he never expected his audience to get all of his gags. In fact, he was like, if you get 20% of them, you're doing quite well. Because some of them were so... Obscure. Yeah. Uh, but he, the man was an absolute genius. But the, the I mean, the the the, the humour in it is of a very particular slant. Mm. Uh, and I don't think it adapts for it. But also it's a very visual sort of palette he paints with when he writes. And again, in, on sort of Sky One budgets, that was not really, not really something that worked. No, no. No. no more channels are it going to be on? Uh, this is BBC America that's done oh, it. Yeah, 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 so yeah. what it will air yeah. over here will be, I assume, a BBC. You'd think. Uh, yeah. You would think. We should find. Uh, other than that, The Purge has been renewed for season two, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Okay, that is news. Shall we talk about some reviews? Yes. Okay. Uh, first up this week, I will say we have Narcos Mexico, which continues the hit show by not continuing it and essentially restarting it away from the Median cartel. And nothing sticks to Mexico. What was it like? Boyd. Yes, it's a reboot. Uh, it's it's So the previous series of Narcos have focused on the Colombian uh, drug trade, um, Pablo Escobar. So it's been a kind of dramatisation of real-life people famously involved in huge Colombian drug cartels. Now they've totally um, rebooted it so that it's, as the title suggests, Narcos Colon Mexico, focusing on the 80s beginning of the American drug war um, against Mexico. And there's two characters. Diego Luna's character is a kind of um, fledgling um, drug dealer. Called Cassian Andor. Thank you. Yes, he's not called Cassian Andor. Um, and he is going to be, we're going to watch his rise to, you know, proper kind of kingpin kind of style status. Meanwhile, Michael Pena is playing a cop who is kind of rising in his world to become more of an important law enforcer. And we meet him. He kind of faces racism of the kind of white Americans that he has to work with. Um, it's very 80s. There's a lot of kind of outrageous 80s costumes and haircuts and all of that, which are quite good fun. I have to say, I found it slightly irritating. It ha- has a big voiceover element. So it starts with this voiceover kind of lecturing us about the, the drug war, the war on drugs and how it was this ludicrous idea. Um, it even says things like, military intervention never works the way you want it to. In fact, it inevitably backfires. That's a bit of the voiceover. It's very much tell, don't show. There's almost no <laughs> showing at all in this drama. And I kind of thought, well, if you're going to dramatise what went on in the, in the war on drugs and how it started, that's really interesting to do. But maybe I'd rather see a documentary if you're going to treat us like yeah. literally telling us, l- teaching us a lesson on how it all happened. And there's just some of the dialogue is so clumpy. The, the first episode ends with Yoga Luna's characters literally saying, what I'm doing here is building an empire. And I just thought, you don't want that. You kind of, we can t- sense that's what you're doing. Don't tell us out loud at the mm-hmm. end of the first episode. I thought it was clunky. I thought the, the dialogue was very obvious. I even thought, like, you know, this, from scene to scene, it relies on that thing that a lot of gangster sagas do, whereby you've got law enforcers and gangsters in the same place and there's a big deal about to happen. And it all ends when someone 
doesn't commits an extraordinary act of violence to end it, and that's supposed to be a big shock. It does like three times <laughs> in the opening episode. And you think, yeah, okay, I've seen this before. I was disappointed. So painting my numbers. So and the lesser narco. Yeah, and the best thing about it, Diego Luna and Michael Pena are both fantastic mm. actors, but they're playing, I felt, fairly stereotyped one-dimensional characters. I've only watched one episode. You know, there are loads more to come. I'll carry on watching it a bit, but I didn't feel it was top-level Netflix drama, I have to say. Terry, were you a knock no? I liked it more than boys. Uh, this is becoming a running oh, wow. theme of, of us disagreeing. I loved the voiceover. Oh. I thought the narration and the exposition that that gave. I mean, it's one of my favourite things about Goodfellas is the voiceover, the narration. I know that's obviously slightly different because it's it's Hill himself. Well, not Hill himself, but but Hill's testimony essentially yeah. doing the narration. Whereas this is much more about the kind of historical, political and social context around it. But I found it quite compelling, the use of kind of the news footage and archive footage. Um, the score, I thought, was super kind of um, just really helps the storytelling along. I found it quite intoxicating, I have to say. Okay. And I, I agree with you. I think the two of them are phenomenal, yeah. like absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, And I only watched one episode as well, but I got to the end and immediately okay. wanted to watch the second. Okay. Oh, well, we're on the subject of voiceovers. The greatest voiceover, I think, if I was not Goodfellas, is, is in fact Pushing Daisies, which has the single greatest voiceover <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Welcome Something that to... only James Dyer thinks. <laughs> no, yeah. Brian I'm Fuller going, agrees with me. I'm okay. going to say an opinion as fact, <laughs> and I'm going to insert it in places that are sometimes relevant. I'm not against voiceover, by the way, uh, per se. And the voiceover in Goodfellas is, is absolutely superb. I found this voiceover irritating, particularly. That's wow. my issue. So we have a knock yes and a knock no. So it's a knock maybe. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, next Scots, up, we should say well, all, yes, yes. all drops on Friday, November the sixteenth. Friday, Friday, November sixteenth on Netflix, not on Netflix, uh, and in fact, we're not even sure where you can see this. Is YouTube's <laughs> new original show? This is uh, a sci-fi series called Origin, uh, which is a bunch of people marooned in space, only to discover that you know it's all going horribly wrong. Now, the biggest problem with this, I think, primarily, is they haven't really communicated <laughs> where or how people can watch it. Well, to be all that, all that it was say, coming. Why well, no? Well, all I know is it's on. It's it's called YouTube Premium. Yeah, and this show Origin is its first big proper original drama, and it arrives on Wednesday, November the fourteenth. Okay, okay. So I reckon if you go to YouTube, it will be there. <laughs> It'll somehow. be somewhere. They'll yeah. promote it. You honestly, you'll find it. It's not a great sign though no. that none of us knew this was coming. And, or and I, I believe the first few episodes are free to watch yeah. anyway, and then, and you then if you pay. want to watch the rest of the series, you have to pay for it somehow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you may not want to because. Uh, <laughs> This is this is exactly what it seems to be. It is a it is a science fiction horror film. The first two episodes are directed by Paul W S Anderson, and that makes a certain amount of sense because it has a little bit of Event Horizon's DNA in it. It's a little bit of a Harry Potter reunion. Tom Fel- Felton, uh, Draco Malfoy, is in there, as is Tonks. She's in there as well, uh, Natalia Tena. Um, and essentially, it's a bunch of people. They wake up on a spaceship en route to another world where they're going to colonize. And they find the crew is gone, the ship is in disarray. Some of them are unequivocal bellends for no particular reason. Yeah. None of them have shoes. And they soon discover that what crew remains have been horribly murdered by what we can only assume is some kind of extraterrestrial force. 
So, I mean, it's got it's got hints of passengers in there. There's a little bit of Pandorum going on. You can find threads of Alien in it too. There's Event a, Horizon. Uh, yeah, Event Horizon, very much so. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I watched the first episode and thought, this is just dreadful. Because it's, it, it's, there's a lot of jump scares in it. You don't really warm to any of the characters. You flash back to one character who plays a kind of a, a former Yakuza member because they're all looking for a fresh start, which is why they've gone to colonise this new world. Uh, and you don't really care that much about them. The only thing I would say is I was in Birmingham in a Starbucks and bored. So for no reason other than that, I teed up the second episode and actually it does redeem it a little bit. So it takes more of a lost format where the second episode you take Natalia Tanner's character and you see her backstory. So obviously they, each episode you're going to get the backstory of one member of the surviving you know, passengers. Uh, so you, and by the time you understand who two of them are, you're slightly more sympathetic about it. And you start to understand, you start to care a little bit about more, more of what's going on. Also, they explore more of the ship and kind of the mystery starts to to unfold. There's a lot of body horror in it, like bodies blending in weird ways. Black goo. I mean, you know, it's sci-fi 101, this stuff mm. is. And it is, it is very sort of, it's the kind of thing where if you had been in a video store in the early noughties and you'd, thought, I want a straight-to-video sci-fi horror, this might have been one of them. Do you know what I mean? It has that real sort of feel to it. But actually, by the end of the second episode, I'm quite curious to watch more of them. I do want to see where it goes. So actually, if you stick with it, I'm not saying this is going to be good. All I'm saying is it might not be absolutely awful, and that's the that's the highest praise I can give it. Now, you watched the first one, didn't you, Boyd? I did, yeah, yeah. and I... I have to say, at the end of it, I didn't think I must watch the second. No, and neither did I, but you um, you weren't bored in a Birmingham no, Starbucks, and that's where you went wrong. I do know the big premiere, they had a big premiere in um, in town, in London, and they showed both episodes, mm. notably, because I think they well, wanted to... They're the two ev- that Paul Anderson directed. Right, so he the two that he directed, and I think yeah. everyone I know who went said, oh yeah, the second episode is where it starts it's a lot better. to be more interesting. Mm. I, yeah, I mean, I think it looks fairly decent, it looks big budget, you know, mm. it looks like a kind of, you know, cinematic thing, but I did feel the whole premise was slightly, I didn't, it didn't I didn't warm to the premise well, of the idea of these, as you say, generally unlikable people, yes. which doesn't bother me, but I didn't really want to know their no, backstory that's particularly. The problem. But, you, but you see, I loved the premise. So when I read okay. the kind of um, setup of this, I was like, I'm really intrigued by this story. The thought of, of revealing all of their past and why they mm. are basically running away to, to a newly colonised planet. I was like, actually, I'm really here for this. And I found it the most tedious thing ever. <laughs> like, I couldn't give a fuck about any of them. Um, I just found it incredibly drab and just, no, no. I, and I haven't, I've only watched the first episode, like Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is nothing you can say to me that's going to make me watch the The second. problem is this, this kind of idea is not new. And it's been done better so many times before. Have you ever seen Vincenzo Natale's Cube? Yes, it's an of course. excellent yeah. film. And again, this this yeah. this has it, it, there were echoes of that in this, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. is superb. Yeah, they're trying to work out what what situation they're in. Yes. I agree. I agree with Terry. Yes. The, the, that part of the premise I like. Mm. So they don't know what's happening to them or yeah. why, and they don't know why in, everyone's deserted them in the yeah. ship. All of that I liked. It was more that the the characters' backstories. I, I I didn't care about any of them. I don't care about any of them yet. No, but I might carry on watching it. I don't know. Maybe because I once did the Oscar show with Natalia Tainer, and she was fascinating. Yeah. Well, her character her character is interesting in this. Like, and again. She's incredibly bland and pointless in the first episode. And then yeah, when you understand right. where she came from in the second one, you think, oh, okay, oh, okay. that's okay. But it is laid on a little bit thick. But just, um, if you're going to do this kind of premise, I think, which, as you say, has echoes of all kinds of other... Yeah. The dialogue has to be <laughs> yeah. interesting or funny. And it is or, not good. Not, it's, it's not it's good at not. all. 
most interesting thing about it is that they're saying they swear on YouTube. You think, oh, yes, that's that it is quite sweary. But also, they they deliberately end both episodes on massive cliffhangers. And I, I a part of me feels a little bit like if you can't generate enough interest for them to watch the next one without stopping mid scene, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that is uh, Origin. It is apparently, we think, coming to somewhere on YouTube. <laughs> Have a look around the site and see Definitely if you can... Definitely is. Perhaps it's, it's, you know, it's in keeping with this. Like, like the people in Origin, you don't know where you are, what's going on, or how to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to discover by clicking things. It'll be somewhere on YouTube, November 14th, Wednesday. Indeed. And last up this week, comedy god Chuck Lorre, the man behind The Big Bang Theory, Dharma and Greg, Sybil and God... Everything, like the sitcom King, is back with a new show, The Kaminsky Method, starring Michael Douglas. Um, and this doesn't feel like a Chuck Lorre show at all, does it, Terry? No, I greatly, I'm just going to kick off by saying I greatly, greatly um, enjoyed this. So, as you say, Chuck Lorre, some of the best sitcoms um, of recent years, under his belt. And this premise is really interesting. She essentially got this relationship at the heart of the story between um, Sandy Kaminsky, who is Michael Douglas, who is an actor who had kind of a brief period in The Sun, who's now an acting coach, um, and his longtime agent and really great friend, who is played by Alan Arkin. Um, and I have to say, right off the bat, that for me, Alan Arkin, this is his show. He is incredible. The first episode is unbelievably moving and there is a particular scene where he is just puts in a performance that has stuck with me ever since i since i saw it and there are other relationships in the show it's about sandy's relationship with his daughter um with a uh, divorcee who he started to date there's there's it's ostensibly about him but actually for me it's not really about him and it's about their bro and i hate this word but their (laughs) their their relationship their love and it's dealing with the thought of ageing and mortality and, you know, there's a lot about um, uh, shitting and pissing and all the bodily things that happen as, you're, as you essentially start to decay. Um, and it's about the absurdity of ageing, the weight of ageing. And it's not something really, if you think about it, that we see kind of dug into a great deal mm. on TV sitcoms of 30 minutes long. As I say, incredibly moving. I really love the writing. The chemistry between the two of them is just beautiful. It's got lots of little modern riffs in there, you know, kind of uh, dating in the age of Me Too when you're a man like him with a certain position and he runs this acting class and everybody in the acting class is kind of more bothered about landing some kind of commercial than they are about producing great work. And I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's one of the, it is genuinely funny, but it was the the emotion and how moving it was for me, which I wasn't expecting What's interesting, when I started though, to watch is it. Is it's, it's Chuck Lorre, the sitcom king, and this is resolutely, I mean, it's literally not a network sitcom. It yes. is resolutely not a network sitcom. Yes. And it makes fun of network sitcoms, including yes. Chuck Lorre's own network sitcoms. Yeah. It's very mad. I thought that was, that reference to... Um, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory yeah. was yeah. his way of saying... Don't expect this, this is, is not it. like that. Absolutely. I feel this is Chuck Lorre's taking his chance with Netflix of a complete artistic and creative freedom yes. to do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> and he has taken yeah. that. And this is from the heart and soul mm. of him. I agree. I think it's brilliant. And I thought, it, because we've had another, Judy Barry was was earlier in the year, was also, I think, revolving around an acting class taught yes. by the Fonz. That's right. And yeah. the best element of Barry was, was those scenes, were those scenes. But yeah. I didn't believe in them for a minute. Whereas this feels absolutely real. Somehow, 
those moments, him teaching the class, and uh, and you think at the beginning you thought it's going to be quite broad, maybe yeah. you expect you have expectations that he's going to be horrible to the yes. to the students, yeah. and he isn't, and he's not. You think his his relationship with with his agent is going to be very bickery and kind of almost like laddish in that kind of mm. banter way. It's not. It's actually deeply moving, as Terry says. So all your expectations are um, torn down. Brilliantly. I really loved it. I felt it was like a kind of indie film yeah. turned into a half-hour sitcom with really moving and funny bits but, all but the way it, through. But it, what I loved is it didn't take cheap gags because yeah. when you're dealing right. with olding, of olding, of ageing, or olding, I'm very olding. When you deal with ageing and everything associated with ageing, the physical effects of that, like there's a lot of talk about his urinary tract and there are things which actually yeah. are right there in terms of a rich seam of comedy and he never plays the easy cheap laughs around that stuff it's there's a sort of dignity to mm. what he does here which i find super super interesting and it is you know you in the first episode which really i expected to be an establishing episode in terms of setting out the parameters of all of their relationships you have a really um major event mm -hmm. happen that kind of immediately from you know you're 20 minutes into the show and they've kind of sucker punched you right in the guts and you are there with them fully committed to mm. kind of you know and you know you're going to spend the rest of the series exploring what it means to age and what it means to age alone and kind of what happens to people um when you start to lose people in your lives and and loneliness and i mean it's just i absolutely mm. loved it, it yeah, I agree. It really rings true. Every element of his yeah. relationship with his daughter yeah. rings true. Um, the, the acting classes, as I say, the, the two old... Every, it's really an achievement. And also, the jokes come from a very authentic place because these two guys are kind of trying to outdo each other with, by, by being funny and that's their way of dealing with stuff so even the jokes don't feel forced they feel very natural and I think it's I think it's a real achievement yeah I kind of annoyed slightly I don't feel you know in Netflix they have so much content now yeah. so this is arriving the same day as Narcos Mexico yes it is Friday, Friday on Netflix Narcos Mexico huge big deal you know Narcos is one of their big mm. kind of shows I feel this is maybe you know getting lost and I, but for me this is the unmissable one yeah. so if we were all to pick out the show that we want people to watch this week are all three of us in agreement that yes. it is this yes we are we are the Kaminsky wow. method Netflix on Friday watch it we're actually in accord and this never happens no. <laughs> well that is it for another episode if you'd like to get in touch then please tweet your thoughts to at pilot tv mag or any of us individually do head over to iTunes and pay a compliment in the form of stars really five is traditional I believe and do join us next week same time same place for more of the same uh, in the meantime we'll be watching tonight's episode of The Walking Dead with great anticipation go Judith <laughs> <laughs>